Thank you for tuning in to Hill Country Fellowship's audio podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired as you listen today. For more information, visit us online at hcfburnett.org. Uh, we're kicking off a series, War for Your Heart. You just saw the graphic there. Uh, so the next seven weeks today and then in the following six, we're going to be looking at how God equips us, covers us, protects us, what He, what he gives us, what He asks, asks of us so that we can live victorious now and not just have to hope for uh, an eternal future, which is set, but we can live victorious and free now. Uh, but at the same time, there is a war for the heart, and a lot of us don't like hearing that. Uh, but, but there is. He, he's the victor. He won at Calvary. We celebrate that later with communion. Uh, he, 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 as, as saved followers of Jesus, uh, we, we are guaranteed of that victory, but at the same time, we, we still live in a, in, a, in a war here. And so even though we're set eternally, there's a battle that we must fight and a war that we have to exist in because we have a real enemy called Satan that, that despises us and wants to destroy the works of God uh, on this earth and especially in our lives. And so the heart of the, of the believer is what he wants to take out. And then there's Jesus who gives us all the tools, all the weaponry we need to win the war for the heart. So uh, we're going to pray uh, and kick off this series. I'm also going to pray for uh, uh, just our, our nation and then, and then even Afghanistan with just all the, the sadness and horror that's going on there. Uh, and, I, and I challenge you to just pray for Afghanistan every day, whether it's like up in the morning and on the drive to work or around the table with your family. I, I encourage you, dads, moms, let your kids be a part of that and let them hear followers of Jesus contend for people we don't know just because Jesus wants to save them from a Christless eternity. So we're going to pray and start off our series. Father, I thank you for uh, giving us every tool, every weapon needed to live victorious. I thank you for, for winning the ultimate battle at Calvary, and I thank you for saving us, but, but I also thank you that, that we don't have to live this life in fear or, or hopeless or uh, hands thrown up in the air, but we can live victorious here and now with what you give us to see strongholds removed, to see uh, our, our lives and our, and, our, and, our, and our minds and our hearts protected, to, to see uh, us overcome uh, the schemes of the enemy and the temptations that exist uh, in, in, this, in this world and to walk in, in absolute spiritual freedom every day of our lives. And so I pray that this seven-week series, we would take it and we would apply it. We would hear you, Holy Spirit, and respond to you. And then we'd step out in the things that we need to step out into to be free and, and to be a part of that battle for our own hearts. Uh, lift up Afghanistan right now. God, I can't imagine the fear and the, the worry and the wonder that's going on right, right now in that nation. And so would you, just, would you just protect those people? Would you remove evil? Would you cover over uh, a nation that is largely, most of them don't know you or follow you or believe in you. So they are, they are a mission field ripe for harvest. And at the same time, if they perish on this earth today, most of them would would spend an eternity without you. So would you guard over and protect them? Would you protect over every believer in that nation? I pray that every believer would be able to walk 
free and whole, just sharing your gospel. Would you, would you protect our military that's over there and the other nations that are trying to do different things right now? Um, protect citizens that aren't from Afghanistan that are trying to get out. And, and would you give great wisdom to our military leaders on, on what to do that is best, that is right, that is good and honorable for that nation and for the people there and our own people there. In your name we pray. Amen. So if you're wondering what this is, you have to wait and find out. My wife said, you should pretend you're going to sit in. I'm like, I don't think I can get out. So uh, I can't do those jokes anymore. Uh, it all turns uh, south on me. Um, so as we look at this war for the heart, overall, looking at the next seven weeks, I think a big question that we always have to ask ourselves as we take routine inventory of our lives is, do I see my heart as a treasure or as trouble? Because the way you answer that, or if you qualify it with, yeah, but, it, it, it kind of says uh, a good portion, it says a lot about, about whether you're winning or losing the war for your heart. So first we have to determine that your heart is a treasure worth fighting for. You need to see your heart the way the Father sees your heart. Not the way you do or that one person does or that key individual or what they said about you growing up or, or because of the thing that you walked through in the past uh, year, whatever it is, don't let that dictate how you see your heart. You have to see it according to what this says. And we know the Father says it's wonderful that it's fearfully made by Him. He takes time that he, he pursued it. He killed His Son to redeem it back. So it's, it's extremely valuable. It's actually priceless according to God who owns everything. It's not wretched. It's not troubled. But it's wonderful and treasured. And there's still a lot of people that are like, yeah, but you don't know the kinds of things that I struggle with or that I do or what happened or how I did this. I get that. We're perfect, holy, blameless, righteous right now while also being made perfect, holy, blameless, righteous by God. And, and then we still have our humanity that we struggle with at times. So I get the tension that's there. But if Jesus has moved into your heart, if the Holy Spirit dwells in you, as a believer, then how can your heart ever be worthless or trouble? I mean, honestly, can it? It can't, yet I still struggle with things sometimes when I do this or say that or act that way. Jesus is the ultimate treasure, and, and he makes our hearts, our hearts priceless. He makes our hearts as, as much of a treasure as he is. And so our goal in this series is that we would live whole and free protected, victorious, confident, joyful, living out the purpose God has for us as a body of believers that's a family. That's what we're called to, to live as, not hang on till, till heaven. If you're living hang on till heaven, then you're looking at things through human lenses rather than than living as a, as a follower of Jesus. And, and I get that there are some people watching, listening, maybe tuning in later in the week or, or at another time or even in here who might not have a relationship with Jesus right now. And I'm here to tell you, and I'll just be really real with you because I want you to hear this. Your heart is a mess without Jesus. And I don't say that to go, ha! I say that to go, he can, he can make it a miracle. 
like right now, today. You don't have to leave this building. You don't have to listen to one more word without following Jesus. If you want to do it right now, he says, call on me and I'll save you. You don't have to know it all or figure it all out or, uh, you know, be like, well, I got to weigh the, the pros and the cons. No, there, there is no con and there's only pros. And you don't even have to believe it absolutely like in your heart, like in, in a figured out way. You can go, Lord, I don't understand, but I want to follow you. And he'll save you today. But without Jesus, your heart is a mess. It's trouble. Pre-Jesus, we're bound for a crisis eternity. And then Jesus... And we're set forever, and he gives us the tools to live out our days here, whether it's a decade or four more decades or eight more decades, whatever it is, live free and whole and victorious. And that's the war for your heart as a believer. The war for your heart as a non-believer, you're just, you're on the losing side right now. And again, I don't say that to knock on you, but man, he wants you. He died for you. He wants to save you. Your sins are forgiven. You just have to accept it. It's already done. You don't have to go figure out a way to have your sins forgiven. He forgave them at the cross, but you do have to accept it by following him and him alone. And if you want to know Jesus, you cry out to him right now. In your mind, in your heart, you can go, Jesus, I give up. I want you. And you're saved. But it is a battle we live in. This is, this is a, a war zone. So we have to realize that this is a war zone. There's a war for the heart. There's a real enemy who hates you. But there's also a victorious warrior king who's never lost a battle. And so Paul writes this in, in 2 Corinthians 10. This is our main scripture for the whole series. And we'll refer back to it a few times. He says, we are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments, we destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. Hey, the victory is possible, but it's not going to be won by my logic, my thinking, my sharp words, my smooth words, my powerful statements, my pride and machismo. It's going to be, it's going to be won by his methods. So are we, are we living in and from this victory, this truth, this reality? Or are we being consumed and, and overrun and living defeated by believing wrong things or buying into wrong things or following wrong things? Jesus is the victor and, and we are fully dependent on him. We cannot do it without him. And that's a good thing. It is good that you and I can't figure it out on our own because we need him. And then he says, I got it all. You need me. And that's the way it's meant to be. I made the universe that way, that humanity would need me. And so I give you everything you need for life and godliness. So our part is to participate and be active in this war. I don't want to go to war, Scott. Uh, tough. I'm sorry. It's just no choice. You don't have a choice. We live in a war because there's a real enemy of God who knows he already lost. He's fully aware there will be a closing date and he doesn't have a chance to extend it. 
But he still wants to wreak havoc until that time. So there's a real enemy who's really lost. And God says, it's a war now, but, but you have victory guaranteed in me. Just walk in the way I give you. Do the things I ask of you. Follow me and me alone. Use this as your guidebook. You don't need another textbook for life. This is it. This is good enough and always, always true. It's why we remain gospel-centered and Jesus-focused here at Hill Country Fellowship. We have authority in Him and because of Him. And the Holy Spirit, as much as He's for you and I, He will not be the substitute for our free will. But if we take part in what God's doing, He will come through for us. The Holy Spirit does the work, but we have to actively do our part if we're to be set free and then live free. Not always easy, not always pleasant. There's bumps along the way, and that's to be expected. If you think, man, I mess up sometimes, I guess I'm a terrible follower. No, you're called a human. Being, being turned into the image of God, in the image of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. And God is fully good with, hey, you need me, and I'm working stuff out of you, and then I'm working stuff into you. He's not like, oh man, again. We do that with our kids because we're human. He doesn't do that with us. He's like, I know what's going to come. I know your last breath and I know what I'm doing all the way up into that last breath and I'm for you. I'm never going to smack my head or tap out on you. I'm not going to quit. You are mine and I'm fully invested in you. So it's not always easy. But God's good with, with that because he knows we need him. We can't just sit back and be uninvolved with this thought of, I'm in a war zone, so I sure hope it works out for the best. But I don't know. We can't live that way, that fatalistic way. We can't live with this, I sure hope God comes through for me and I, I hope I'll be safe. That's not hope. That's, that's a lie. My hope is in Jesus. He won. He says, this is what I've got for you, Scott. My hope is in truth, not hope it all turns out. That's not hope at all. That's fatalism. That's human logic and human understanding. It's a war. And the goal of each side of a war is it's to, it's to shake hands and play nice and hug it out. No. The goal of a war is I win, you lose. That's the goal of a war. To destroy the other side. I don't like this, Daddy. He's saying mean, mean things about life. I, I'm not trying to be fatalistic, but, but we don't have to worry about the war and the fact that the enemy wants to destroy us because we're told by Paul, you destroy the things that, that oppose God in your life. You knock those things down. You demolish them. Whatever version you're reading, it says the same thing. It gets ripped down by the weapons God gives you. So that you can know God in fullness, know his truth in fullness, and then even rescue people who are lost in that. We must be active participants in the fight. We can't live passively. Following Jesus is not a passive lifestyle. This is true. It's, it's aggressive, but not in a mean way. It's, it's advancing the kingdom of God and dispelling the kingdom of darkness. Yes. And where you go, you are light. Bible says so. Where you go, you are salt. The reason we're salt is the world is decaying around us. Salt delays decay so food can be edible and nutritional. 
So I, as salt, delay the decay so that they can have more time to know Jesus so they're not living eternally without him. So we're salt and light. And the salt's not going to lose its saltiness and the light cannot be overcome by darkness. So we apply what Paul writes here in, in 2 Corinthians 10. There are strongholds. The enemy wants us to believe lies about Jesus and about his word. And he says, these are strongholds of human reasoning and false arguments against God. He says, they're opinions that are meant to change what we believe about Jesus and the gospel. They're sins that we allow in us or in our thinking to keep us from freedom. The ways that we think or, or, or stuff that we dwell on that assaults God's heart for us. And these strongholds are sin issues and negative thought patterns that will keep you from knowing Jesus. These strongholds are sin issues and negative thought patterns that will keep you from knowing Jesus as he really is and keep you from knowing who you really are in Christ. Matthew, the enemy wants you to believe lies about who you are to Jesus. So he, he's trying to constantly get us to bite, to, to buy into, to get maybe stuck in a trap or whatever it is, or, or just go around circles of lies in our life to believe lies about Jesus, but then also lies about ourselves in Jesus. So recognizing strongholds is a key. We're going to look at some, some key ways to recognize strongholds. Number one, they're, they're ideas that are contrary to God. That's what Paul writes. Arguments and statements that challenge God, that challenge who he is and, and, and what he says. That's 2 Corinthians 10. There are also unsubmitted areas of your life. Uh, I'm not going to give you this one, God, uh, because I like it. Or there ain't no way you can, you can fix this, God. It's been in me too long. It's, the roots have gone so deep, I can't even find the end of them anymore. So I, I just, I, obviously I can't. It's just in heaven I'll be free. And we, we don't submit that stuff. We don't turn it over to God or trust Jesus with it. You're maybe addicted to being the owner of it, even though it's awful for you. And yeah, addictions, like classic addictions, alcohol, drugs, pornography, those are, those are addictions. But you can also be addicted to anger, addicted to fear, addicted to being right, addicted to control. I was addicted to anger, pride, and control. And I got to the point where I was like, obviously this will never change until heaven. Then Jesus revealed truth to me and I walked it out. Another stronghold is unbelief. This unbelief in, in who God really is, or maybe, it's a, maybe it's, it's a judgment against yourself. You're believing again, wrong about yourself. I don't believe what you say about me I look in the mirror and that's not the guy I read in scripture. So obviously it's wrong. It's unbelief. And what you believe has great power. Doesn't mean it's right, but it does have great power. My heart's not worth it, obviously. I'm just a lowly sinner. So I'll just eke my way along on planet earth until heaven. He won. So why should I have to fight for my freedom? I'm just going to sit back on my spiritual couch and eat spiritual potato chips. Until the end, right? I'm a horrible human being. I'm just glad God loves me long, uh, enough to take me to heaven, but I'm horrible. Those are lies based in unbelief. 
that the enemy somehow, either through circumstances or your own choices or other people's uh, attacks against you, has gotten you to buy into and believe. Belief systems in our mind, that's what a stronghold is. A stronghold spiritually is a belief system in our mind that sets in our heart. And it establishes this stronghold that, that we can't figure out how to make. It's just like, well, it's just too strong. The, the roots go deep or, the, or the, fountain, the pillars go deep. They poured concrete, you know, spiritual concrete, and then I can't get it removed. And so there's this belief system in our mind, and it sets itself up as truth, and then we consider it to be true. That's just who I am. I always give in to this, uh, you know, uh, that's how I do things. That's just this pride thing. That's how I do things. Just We tried to stop it, but we can't, so I just like try to do two nice things for every mean thing I do now. My Christian karma, right? I, I don't know if anybody else ever did that. I, tr- I tried that. For about a decade, I literally tried that. I'm like, I gave up on changing my anger issues, so every time I recognized anger, I tried to do two nice things to counteract that eternally. <laughs> it's Christian karma. And karma is stupid. That's just the word reality. No need to go into it. It's just dumb. How about I'm right because I know. I don't care what anybody else says. I'm just right because, well, I'm right. That's a stronghold. That's a belief system in your mind that won't let you even listen to, to spiritual mature people speak into your life. It's dangerous. Because you are all authority in those settings. This is just who I am. This is what I do. This is how I am. You set yourself up as all spiritual authority and it's dangerous. And there's common strongholds. I mentioned a few of them, but there's pride. Believing in yourself, being me focused. There's, there's shame. Believing that you are what happened to you or you are what you chose to do however long ago. And that's just who you are and you're ashamed of it, but you can't change it. Fear. Fear is a lack of revelation of God's love for you. And, and where there's no love, there's never going to be security. So then you're always clamoring for security in your life. And fear owns you. I mean, probably what's gone on the past year and a half of life and now what's going on with, with our government and what's going on in Afghanistan is probably freaking you out. And I get it, it's not pleasant, but that doesn't own you. Because God loves you and where God is, fear is cast out and banished. Rejection. It's what happens when, when you put more faith and hope and need in other people or in circumstances, or in what, what you need from them. And if it doesn't come to pass, you're just, uh, they always turn on me. Always, 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 always. They never come through for me. It's like, there's this God who will always, only ever come through for you, and you're always on his mind. Rest there and see rejection destroyed. Yeah. Anger. I get it. It's what happens when you demand what you think is right. Or try to control the, the outcome of the situation or how a person ought to act. And when it doesn't happen that way or they don't act that way or they don't say that one thing or they don't, they don't, do, they don't respond to you that way, you just get mad about it because you're right. And they should respond to me. I, I lived in that turmoil for decades. It's miserable, but you, you feel stuck in it. It's a stronghold that sets itself up and it's hard. 
Depression, you put your hope in something or someone else other than God. So there's this poor, poor, pitiful me, this hopelessness, this, this clamoring to earn something, to get somewhere by someone else's power. And they fail you at times or they're not the right person for you. And so I'm hopeless. And the enemy's desire is that he would establish a stronghold in your life to keep you from knowing Jesus as he really is and keep you from knowing who you really are in Christ. So how do we destroy spiritual strongholds? We're going to look at three things that you can do to destroy spiritual strongholds. Paul says, knock them down. Demolish them. I mean, I like that. You just feel like you get, you get a bat. And you're like, oh, I get to knock them down. He says, here's your spiritual bat from Jesus. And that is actually just flimsy glass. And you can knock it down. First is we recognize it and we own it. That's where, that's where conviction comes into play. Conviction is this opportunity for me to hear from the Holy Spirit and then follow Him in that. Conviction doesn't change me unless I choose to let it change me. Jesus says, remove the log from your own eye so you can be free. He says this in, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 5, a very, very famous passage. He says, hypocrite, first get rid of the log in your own eye. Deal with your own blind spots. And then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Jesus is saying that our blind spots prevent us from authentic relationship with other people. Because he's talking here about relationships with God and with others. It kind of sounds like the Great Commission, right? So he says, get that, that log out of your eye. Get that blind spot taken care of so that you can see yourself correctly in God's eyes. So you can be uh, walk in the, the truth of who you are to God and be in right relationship with Him. And then you can get close enough to your neighbor to care about the small things in their lives, to help them, not to poke it out of their eye, but to go, oh, you got something right there. Let me tell you about this log that just got removed from my eye, but now I'm close enough to see you and help you get this log out of your own eye. It requires humility. I have this thing in me. I got this sin issue. You got this blind spot, it's really real. That's humility. Lord, help me. So what's your stronghold? What's your stronghold? Do you know you? Maybe you're like, I'm pretty sure I have five, but I don't really know what they all are. Well, we're gonna, we're gonna call out to the Holy Spirit to speak to us. Maybe you know your stronghold and it's time to, to deal with it and remove the, the log deal with the blind spot, or, or maybe it's an actual blind spot that you're unaware of, so Holy Spirit, show me, or speak to somebody else and have them speak into my life. Are you willing to go there or even ask that question? What's my stronghold, Heavenly Father? That's a bold move. Second, you got to be willing. Willingness shows a repentant heart. It's like, I'm, I'm ready to deal with this stuff. It's a desire to be free no matter what it takes or what it looks like. And that's big. Just being willing to let the Father be in control and participate with Him. Lord, you might show me something and it looks like it could be hard, okay, but I'm going to do it. I'm willing. Help me. And He's like, oh, I'm so on your side. No more holding on to sin issues or sins. Holding on only brings the enemy closer to you. Unforgiveness, resentment, bitterness. You hold on to those things, the enemy is like, 
I'm setting up my tent right here. I'm going to put the stakes in the ground. I'm moving in. Because if you're going to live with unforgiveness and resentment and bitterness, that's my bag, baby. That's what the enemy says. And he's going to move in. The company we keep. Maybe it's not healthy for you and you got to stop it. Stop it. It doesn't mean they're not loved by God, but maybe that's just not healthy for you and so those strongholds are just strengthened more and more and more. Maybe the company you keep waters the negative roots in your life and that tree grows stronger. And God's like, let me take care of that. You need to be wise. Our thoughts and beliefs, we already talked about. What we do, what we see, what we hear, those can establish strongholds or strengthen strongholds in our life. And all of these open the door for the enemy to establish something in you. A long time ago, the man who would become my mentor, when I was dealing with uh, anger, when I was dealing with sin issues, and, and I knew what was there, but I didn't know how to go there. And I was like, I just don't know if, if it can actually be removed. He said, Scott, if you want the enemy to come closer to you, so that he can more easily feed you lies and harass you than just live with that sin. And I was like, well, that's not nice. I mean, you're a nice guy and you smile all the time. And he's like, Scott, if you're not going to deal with that junk, it's just saying, hey, come on, feed me lies, enemy. I'm going to sit at your table. And he told me about getting rid of the dead cow in the field. You thought this was a bean bag. It's actually a dead cow, right? <laughs> so you, now we're, we're in the Midwest at the time. So just like Texas, you have cows that die in the field. And so when a, when a cow dies in the field, it draws flying creatures, vultures, buzzards, those who feed off of it. And he said, you got this dead cow in your life, Scott. And so you're spending your time, by the way, this isn't a real rifle and it's not even loaded, just so you're aware. And he said, you can spend your time with the dead cow in the field drawing vultures, and you can, you can shoot at all the buzzards. And whenever they come around, you just shoot at the buzzards, and they'll go away. You'll get rid of them for the moment, for the day. Maybe one of them will get pinged, and, and then the other ones will be like, let's oh, stay away for a few days. But you'll spend your lifetime with the dead cow of sin in your life shooting at buzzards as opposed to removing the dead cow. The challenge is, that's a mess. It's ugly, it's nasty, it's, it's festering, it's, it's oozy. I'm not trying to gross you out, but that's sin. So you can spend your life shooting at buzzards and running them off. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to two Bible studies this week. I read two chapters a day. I'm going to read four. And you know what? There is a measure of that working. It does work some, but as long as the dead cow remains in the field, they still have something they want to feed on. Right. And so we have to make a choice. Am I going to take the, the time and put in the effort and deal with the, what it needs to be done to remove that dead cow or just keep going, man, I'm going to become a member. I'm going to volunteer at the cafe. Good things. Right. It's the, but you're not dealing with the thing. That's the key. And so I took the time and finally dealt with it. And it was horrible for the moment. Right. But in our willingness, we need to come to this place of, 
of trusting God no matter the process or its length. I don't like the length part of the statement because I want it now, now. And I don't think our society has helped us with fast food and drive through and Uber Eats and, and smartphones. It's caused us to be quicker in the now, 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 now. I want a smartphone freedom. I want a fast food drive through healing. I want a removal that happens that somebody delivers to me and I just enter a door. I don't want to be the one to be a part of this. I want it done for me. That's a consumeristic mindset for a believer and we have to deal with the stuff. I remember I came to a place and I said, I'll trust you no matter what, God. And it was hard and it was painful and it was messy. I mean, you pick up that stuff and you just deal with it. It's like, oh, this is gross. I have to own this stuff. And it's like, ah, oh, yuck. I hate, I hate having to deal with this stuff. And then, and then you come back over here and you're like, it's gone. I don't even need this thing anymore. What was once my salvation, my savior, I don't even need that anymore. I, you know what I need? I need relationship. I need, I need to walk in my freedom. I, I've got this to, to be illuminated with truth. I, I'm free of that. The buzzards can come back, but they're going to be bored. They're going to leave hungry. That's what he wants for us. That's why Paul says, knock them down. Demolish those strongholds so you can live free. And it doesn't affect you anymore. You're not harassed by the enemy. God will reveal those hidden things. Psalm 19, David writes it in verses 12 through 14. There's stuff in my life, in my heart, I don't even know, but you'll show it to me because you love me. And this is David who had to have that actually happen in his life. A man after God's heart who had some massive hidden sins that God revealed to him and then he walked free in that. Finally, we have to surrender to see these strongholds removed. This is the doorway to you being healed and delivered. That's surrender. In James chapter 4, verses 1 through 7, he, he's writing about this and, and he tells us that to submit to God means that we, we, we trust him to pour out his favor and grace on us to walk out whatever it is we need to walk out. All that he desires for us in our submission. He says, all that I desire for you in your freedom will happen if you just submit your life to me. And, and then in verse 7, James 4, 7, very famous short verse. So humble yourselves, submit, surrender to God. Humble yourselves before God. Then you'll be able to resist the devil and then the devil will flee from you. So are you willing to be free no matter what it takes? Some of us might be like, ah, oh, this big issue is, I don't really know if I'm willing. Are you willing to be willing? Let's start there. Are you willing to cooperate with the work of the Holy Spirit to set you free and keep you free? Whatever it is, it could be as big and ugly as the thing I had to deal with. It could be embarrassing for the moment. It could be painful to see it removed because you have, have had it for so long. But you're not free with it. And he wants to set you free and get rid of the dead cow in your field. 
And as much as human logic and the world would argue this point, surrender to God is where and when you are actually empowered. This position before God, not necessarily in physically, this position before God, I submit, I surrender, I humble myself. That is when you are empowered because you are no longer the one in charge. You're saying, I bow to the one in charge and he has never done anything but amazing for me. That's the Holy Spirit at work in you. We yield and we cooperate. Gives us a new heart. He says this in in Ezekiel. We're going to wrap up with this before we head into communion. Ezekiel 36, verse 26. I will give you a new heart and I'll put a new spirit in you. I'll take out your stony, stubborn heart, heart of flesh, some of your versions say, and I'll give you a tender, I mean, your stony, stubborn heart, I'll give you a, a heart of flesh, a tender, responsive heart. I'll put a new spirit in you, my spirit, so that you'll follow my decrees and obey my regulations. So as we go into communion right now, we're going to take this, this first song as a, as a time of, of ministry in response to him. So the, the elements won't be handed out until the, the beginning of the second song. But this first song, let's prepare our hearts. What's your stronghold? What do you need to deal with? This whole song, if you don't sing one word and you're just in a moment with the Holy Spirit, with the Heavenly Father, with Jesus, your Savior, let it be that. Deal with the junk in your life. Maybe it's unforgiveness. Maybe it's resentment. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's a wrong belief system. But just deal with that. Blind spot or known spot. Let that be worked out of your life. Is there anything that God needs to deal with in your life right now? What stronghold needs to be demolished? Is there a dead cow that that needs to be removed or you need to start the process of seeing it removed? Are you willing? This is your time with the Father in heaven. Respond to the Spirit of the living God right now. I'm going to ask you to stand right now. And I'm going to pray a prayer just to open up the moment for us as we sing this song. And let this be your song of response to the Holy Spirit. And if you need to come to the altar during this song and and lay anything down before him, do that. Maybe that's your act of submission. Just being like, I'm actually going to show you that I'm responding to you right now, Holy Spirit. So God, I, I thank you for your commitment to us. That as much as the enemy hates us and he's real and there are strongholds that are trying to, to weigh us down, <laughs> that, doesn't, that doesn't even make you break a sweat. Your desire is for us. Your desire is freedom. Your desire is, is, is wholeness. Your desire is that we would live a life of joy in a victorious way. And so for every son and daughter in this room, I pray that you would show us what we need to deal with in our lives. That we would be humble, walk in humility before you right now just to deal with stuff and to watch you speak truth and hope and healing and deliverance in us. That we would no longer be bound by anything around us that is not from and of you. I pray that you would break people free right here right now during this song of worship. Amen.
Thank you for listening. For more sermons and full service replays, visit us online at hcfburnit.org. God bless and have a great week.